0: to season seven of our on the call series produced by the stars among us i am ozzy and i'm very happy that you tuned in to this thank you tour of mine as you know each episode is a thank you card to those who have impacted my life and on this third episode of season seven i'm shining light on david Gulick. hello david hello ozzy hey so I want to start this conversation a little bit differently than I normally do, and because when we met back in the day, you were involved in surfing quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that hasn't I mean, changed at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that stood out to me is because some of the things that you'd said back then that you guys used to do you used to travel to dangerous, to, to surf the in dangerous, in dangerous situations. It was very much like my son when he was living in San Francisco and he would be calling me at midnight to let me know that he's uh, rollerblading down the hills of San Francisco with, with his buddies, right? So he's always like, I, I, I was always caught between like a prayer and like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> you know? So-
1: yeah, I think, I think my parents probably felt the same for a lot of years. Uh, Cause I mean, I started traveling I I mean, not to age myself, but like, I used to have to, I I remember being in the middle of nowhere, Australia, and having to buy a phone card to go find a payphone to let my parents know where the hell in the world I even was. And there would be large gaps in between them hearing from me. Um, And, and, you know, they've never been to Australia. So in in their brain, I I could imagine what's going on there, 20-something son at the time, um, out in the middle, like on the other side of the world.
0: (laughs) What got you into surfing? I mean, where did
1: that start? It's funny. I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. So it's not even like it was just something that was in my world. Um, You know, I didn't have friends that did it. It was, I think I saw it on TV when I was younger. And it was just one of those things. uh, Like ESPN back in the day used to have these things. They were called Hot Tuesday Nights. And it would be like very much like a California lifestyle. And I remember seeing surfing. It was just like, I'm going to do that. And then once I, you know, I finally did it, it was like, yeah, I was right. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life.
0: Because then later on, I mean, you went to university and you graduated, you know, with a mechanical engineering degree, but you're still surfing all that time?
1: So funny thing is that was in Pennsylvania, which was still... I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours from the Jersey Shore would have been the closest beach. Um, But funny enough, the group of friends I fell in with, um, one of my best friends was from Southern California, played on the volleyball team at Villanova, and he didn't have a car, and I did. And he became one of my immediate best friends. And um, yeah, we would, uh, every chance we got, we'd run out to the Jersey Shore. And then when we get breaks in college, um, I went out to Southern California. Uh, we drove down to North Carolina where my grandparents had uh, graduated, you know, or had retired, I should say. Um, and when I, when I finally graduated college, I, you know, most of my engineering peers went and got, you know, real jobs. And my brain was kind of like, well, I have the whole rest of my life to work. He went back to Southern California, had the house that he grew up into himself. Uh, he had like six brothers and uh, his family was back on the east coast for the summer with with some family he, he was from a really big family and so he was like why don't you just come out to san diego for the summer and we'll just surf and get jobs at like the county fair or something like that uh which is what we ended up doing and uh just eat tacos and surf all the time i was like you know what that sounds like a perfect way to wrap up uh you know an engineering program is a pretty intense program like villanova is a four-year program so even more intense but i was like you know what that sounds like the perfect way to spend my, my summer there'll be plenty of jobs when i get back I'm not worried. I I got the piece of paper under my belt. Like I'm good.
0: So with all that, how did you? I mean, with the with the traveling because you guys went to some crazy places. What's the most exotic place you've been to to surf?
1: Yeah, you know, to me everything was exotic because again, like I graduated college in '97, and like the internet was like a, a shell of what it is today. There was, mm-hmm. you know, so everything existed through magazines. Uh, And videos, so like old old beat up VHS tapes that I watch over and over and over and over again. Um, So it was just I I had these magical visions in my head and all these stories, you know, whether real or imagined, of these faraway lands with these perfect waves just peeling off. And um, yeah, I I think it just like I also it's funny looking back. I think this maybe had something to do with it on my dad's side. Both uh, he had a brother and a sister and my aunt had married um her husband worked for british airways and so i would see them they would always come back with weird souvenirs from me for all from all over the world and then my uncle who funny enough shares this we share the same birthday 20 years apart he he had a place in the city and that was my version of new york city we we called him uncle weird and um cuz same thing right for work he he was a, an artist and an architect and a furniture builder and a photographer and like You know, he was more like went the creative route and was same thing. He was getting all these amazing projects all over the world. So that was became kind of my version of normal. I was like, wait, I don't understand people going into jobs. I'm like, my aunt and uncle are doing these real living, these really exotic, cool lives. I'm getting all these weird gifts from all over the world. I want to go to these places.
0: Right. Right. Question. Have you ever ridden through one of what they call a tube, I think?
1: Yeah. That's, I'd say there's two, two goals in surfing. Um, Not not that it's goal-driven, but like, there's two things that once you experience them, I think it changes your world forever. You essentially, all of a sudden, everything becomes about doing that thing again. And it's getting tubed, getting barreled, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, or riding the nose on a longboard. When you're riding the nose, there's no board in front of you. It's like you're walking on water. Um, when you're in the tube, it's you know that that weird little room made of water only exists for like a split second, and you're the only one that'll ever experience that little moment. And it's almost as if time stands still.
0: Because when you see when you see that um, on, on videos, it seems like it goes on forever and ever, and you you know you you're in there cocooned almost. It, right away.
1: Yeah, for the most part, it happens pretty quick. I mean, there's guys now that are just, you know, they're just expert barrel riders. Like, that's just what they do. They're just so comfortable. But it's, uh, you know, to do so, they have to put themselves in waves of consequence. It's not like every wave barrels. It's, you know, for a wave to barrel, it has to go from really deep water to really shallow water. um, And that's what forces it to break the way it does. So there's usually a lot of consequence on that um it's definitely not something that everyone will achieve in their life but once you know if you ever do even if just a small glimpse even if you don't make it out just like getting that view all of a sudden it's like oh my god I want to do that again and again and again and again
0: have you ever had any encounters with sharks
1: yeah I I think it's almost impossible not to
0: wow wow that's really and this whole idea of traveling toward bad weather what is that about?
1: (laughs) Um, We're not traveling towards the bad weather but the bad weather is what produces um, you know disturbances and and winds and things that that make waves Um, same thing for you know I I do the same thing in the winters I, I chase snow more than I chase waves once it gets cold and you know we need storms to produce snow.
0: Before I move on to the next topic, because I think that whole life that you had must have been the most, one of the most freeing or you're still having, but it was one of the most freeing experiences. Correct? Do I get that?
1: I, I would agree. I mean, it's it's given me something to wake up for every day. like it, it it's funny, even though you're doing the same thing over and over again, like catching a wave like it's never the same. No two waves are the same. no two. Destinations, like the whole experience of getting there, of being immersing yourself in another culture, of learning new languages and trying different food and meeting new people from all over the world that are also on that same kind of path. Um, it, it'll never get old.
0: Communing with people and using words like gnarly and goofy and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. You got that. it. Yeah. You're, you're
1: up on your lingo.
0: I did a little check in. <laughs> so, this particular episode is sponsored by a, uh, an organization called ETIB which stands for even though I'm blind it's a 501 c3 nonprofit registered company with, whose mission is to raise awareness and create a voice for legally blind and visually impaired creatives uh, to change the narrative and perception of blindness like God of Mr. Charles Pohl who who holds a triple master's degree in criminal criminal justice and is currently working on his doctorate in business admin. So there's some really fabulous people out there and they've sponsored, sponsored your episode.
1: Amazing. That's beautiful.
0: Yes. And now going forward, I want to talk about the transition to real estate. How did that come about?
1: I think it originally came about. So, real estate is is what I do full time now. But it's not the first time I've done real estate. I actually got into real estate about twenty years ago, uh, probably in my late twenties. Um, yeah, that's, math checks out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was almost. I, I think it was just me using my engineering brain again. It was. I was bartending at nightclubs at the time, which was what paid the bills for the most part. But I've I've always had side projects. Um, most of them were treated as such. It was the first time I had one that wasn't just a creative side project. It was one that was actually kind of more of a (laughs) for-profit for lack of a better term. Yeah, it was, it was more of a for-profit and that the the end goal was just to fund my lifestyle. It was, I realized, you know, uh, I'm, I I don't want to ever be dependent upon anyone else, um, to live the life that I want. So it was kind of a way to like, the way I saw it was I was going to self-sponsor myself. Uh, without being tied to a, a job like most people. So, you know, the goal is passive income. And, you know, back then it started reading books and going to seminars and finding other people that were doing it. And th- that's kind of how it began. Um, so I began as an investor.
0: And you've gone through some, some trials and tribulations. So you've gone. You, you, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Um, I, I, at this point, they're badges of honor. Um, it's, I, I've lost it all twice in my life and it's kind of like, you know, th- those stories are, are kind of what, what make you who you are, you know, how you, uh, how you deal with challenge, um, you know, is what builds character.
0: So now with reference to the bartending end of things, cause I know you have, you've had a good, you spent a good time of time with your bartending. And, and I think from what I've uh, read, you have made alliances while you're doing that that have affected your business, right?
1: I think I've in- always been interested in people in general, and that was a way f- for me to um, escape the monotony monotony of being in an office. It, it was just a very social work environment, and it was, I, I think, overall, bartending, the, the lifestyle was just, you know, I, I was throwing a party. It was, you know, arguably you could get people at their best, at their worst. I mean, alcohol affects people differently. But in general, I looked at it as I was on stage in some of the best, you know, venues in the in the world, arguably, um, between New York and the Hamptons. And, um, you know, I, I was throwing, I was like center stage at the best party in town. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what's beautiful, beautiful about that is a full-time schedule as a bartender in, you know, the big nightclubs is roughly two to three nights a week. So it it afforded me an amazing balance of time and money that I think most people struggle with. And so with that much time off, um, you know, you don't get to necessarily build the real relationships behind the bar, but you, you do in the sense that, like, you know, you give people a good time, you see them again and again and again. But what happens is now, like, through doing that repeatedly... You know, you kind of get to know each other a little bit, but then like with all that time off, it's like, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing? And then all of a sudden, you know, they see you at the next spot and the next spot or like you're both out together or all well, like I would randomly bump into someone like, you know, the common thread for me has been nightlife um, was one major like kind of like door opener. But then it was really uh, the surfing and snowboarding that kind of like sealed the deal on a lot of friendships. And we would just find ourselves in similar places with the same end goal. And that was really what kind of just opened my world up because it would attract, especially in New York. You know, New York's not a small town. We attract the best of the best from everywhere in the world across multiple industries. And what's interesting about the surfing and snowboarding world is they would attract the same thing, right? You know, it's such a diverse people um, from all different industries in New York that are sharing this common thread. And then, you know, we're just in the ocean together. So, uh, you know, nightlife was definitely part of it. And I think, um, you know, that, that common thread of surfing and snowboarding also helped kind of solidify a lot of relationships.
0: And then that brings me to media wave. Tell me a little bit about why that began and <laughs> some of the fun things that you do on that. With that.
1: Yeah. So, so medium wave Dave is, you know, it's a bit of self-deprecating humor. Um, there's, it's a couple things. Number one, it was finally accepting that I am now middle-aged, and so I was just kind of like a little rebrand, but part of the joke is that pretty much any Dave anywhere in the world that surfs gets the nickname Big Wave Dave. I don't oh. think there's any Little Wave Dave. Maybe, maybe there's a couple Little Wave Daves, but it, and as far as I'm concerned, Big Wave Dave may be one of the most common nicknames um, that exists. I, I don't know one that's more. Uh, maybe John's become Jack. I, I don't know, but... <laughs> um, so the, the funny thing is like any Dave that surfs is a big wave Dave. So it's like super common. Um, and you don't know it, I guess, unless you know a lot of surfers or Dave's that surf yeah. or whatever. Um, but it, it came from a, from a friend, um, who, you know, once I think I probably turned 40 and he was like, All right, can you still be big wave Dave or do you have to go medium wave Dave? And, and it just kind of stuck. It was so funny. And I, I looked it up and I was like, Oh my God, that that's really funny. Like, I, I'm cool with that. Like, medium wave day was like fun for the whole family, right? It's it's not threatening, it's not, you know, it's it's very bite-sized and, you know, chewable. But um yeah, it was funny because social media had had become a thing obviously already. And um I couldn't believe that like there was no dot com, there was no Instagram, there's no nothing and and I snatched it up right away and I I just it, it kind of just became I realized the power of having a personal brand. And um, it, it just kind of stuck amongst multiple friend groups. And I was like, you know what? This is, I'm never going to be confused with any other Dave ever again. And uh, if I could put a smile on people's face through this, like that's a win for me. So I, I just kind of stuck with it. Not, you know, not that I've, not that I've abandoned David Gulick. I mean, it's my name, but like when people introduce me, it's like, oh, you know, medium wave Dave or you know Dave? Oh, which one? Medium wave. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like now I have me. You know, jokingly, from twenty plus years in nightlife and curating music forever, I have um I started medium wave radio as like my unofficial radio station, which is basically just a bunch of Spotify playlists. Um, you know, i I, uh, I want to do some co-brand things that I think will be really fun with friends that have brands. Uh you know, I think the possibilities to have fun with it um, are are fairly limitless. And so, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, kind of where medium went from. When I checked
0: <laughs> it out, I mean to see you in some of those outfits, the Easter bunny ears, the jokes that you 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 make and you, you you there's a twist with that because you bring in your your drinks, right? And the way you you mix the drinks and then you have oh, your, no. Play- no. your music. You're going, yeah, 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 you're going way back to COVID. Yeah, I went wow. all the way. Yeah,
1: you're going way back to COVID.
0: I went all the way. Wow,
1: I don't I think I've put... I think I have pulled all those down, but they they still exist. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was when the world shut down. I, it was just kind of a way to entertain my friends um, mm-hmm. after years of funny stories. Because you know how like you get in your version of normal, and you know it, it's you, you sometimes forget that like my version of normal is not everyone's version of normal. Um, I'm arguably, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I, I think. Most people are fascinated by the life of a bartender, let alone a a nightclub bartender in New York City uh, in some of the top spots. So it was kind of just a way to like, you know, take the piss and have some fun and entertain my friends and let a few stories out and, you know, make some drinks when we're all sitting on our butts. Yes,
0: love the stories, love the mustache stories, love the hairdos sometimes, great, great fun. Really great fun. (laughs) really great fun. You should. I appreciate so are that.
1: you still doing it now or not? I'm not no, it's it's funny, right? You you run out of hours in the day really quick. Uh um, I I had the opportunity to go full-time in real estate finally. I think hitting my mid to late 40s, it was I think I was craving a change. Mm-hmm. Um I I realized finally that like and not that I had done everything there is to do in bartending, but like I, I had kind of done everything there was to do in bartending, right. at, at least for me, you know, there, there, there was nothing left uh, new and exciting about it. And um, I, I was fortunate to work with amazing teams and amazing venues and have like a ton of fun and just like have an amazing lifestyle. But it, I was ready for what's next. And part of that was ideally home ownership. And I, you know, w- while I had a very good balance of time and money as a bartender, like there was no upside. I was never going to be a homeowner and I think I was ready for that in my life. Right. And so, yeah, real estate was kind of part of that journey, that transition.
0: Right. Well, I, um, I have been, you know, you're a very special person in my life. You stepped up in my life where not many people since then have. There have been a few, but you, where you stepped up was, has stuck with me in my heart. And um, till today I can remember every single moment of our meeting and then you're stepping up and how you did it. I still remember you on that skateboard. (laughs) So you have, you are, it's so hard to even explain, but you're a part of my heart and I needed to say thank you to you. I'm getting all emotional here, hang (laughs) on. And to, and to be able to do it in this way, not just the card, but in this way, you know, for it to live forever in time. I really appreciate you. I appreciate all that you've done for me and always showing up, always answering that phone. And um, if, tell people where, where you're doing your real estate. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I guess Instagram. <laughs> it, it, the, honestly, the best way to get me—it's it, probably where I communicate with most people. You know, e- e- people I've known for a lifetime. I, I probably we communicate in DMs more than I do uh, texts and phone calls. Funny enough, but uh, yeah, just Medium Wave Dave on Instagram. I'm pretty easy to find, and uh, I am a an agent in the Hamptons, and then I uh, I'm back as an investor again. It, after, you know, a 20-year hiatus after the first time I lost everything.
0: You are treasure, audience. Also, thank you very much for spending your valuable time with us today. This is David Goulin, um, friend for life. Please care to share and remember when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny side of the street safely, be health conscious and kind to one another and don't forget to give thanks for the little and big gifts. David, 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 I love you so much.
1: Love you, Ozzy, thank you so much.
0: Always uh, a pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk again soon, thank you. Hey there supporting us at anchor.fm forward slash Aussie Stewart that's a-n-c-h-o-r dot f-m forward slash Aussie Stewart and don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel at Aussie Stewart yep leave a comment